Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly. Wade and I are here continuing our Winging It series through the life of Martin Luther. And we're going to take um, a step back today and talk about a character that's very important in the Reformation, especially in Switzerland, but also um, part of the Lutheran Reformation as a foil, you may say. Um, and that man's name is Ulrich Zwingli, a Swiss reformer. Really a contemporary of Martin Luther, right? They're only one year apart in, um, in age. Zwingli is going to die earlier. We'll find that out. But kind of a biographical sketch, but also um, what is his theology and how is it different from uh, Luther? And then what were the implications of that? Because there's actually going to be some right away implications of the Reformation in Switzerland that is going to be um, a little bit different than in in Germany. So if you ever heard of the Swiss Reformation uh, versus uh, the German Reformation, German would tend to be more Lutheran. The Swiss Reformation would be more Zwingli, but you could probably put uh, the influence of Calvin in there as well. Um, Sometimes Northern and Southern Reformation, sometimes you hear those those terms. And so um, we thought it would be wise at this point in our series to uh, talk about Zwingli because he's actually pretty pretty early on gets on board with um, with the Reformation and um, I think kind of in his own way too right uh, Luther influences him but he's not a follower of Martin Luther necessarily um, he was uh, studied uh, under some humanistic uh, humanism professors and so kind of finds his own way a little bit there I, I don't know if I uh, um, overstating that or not, Wade, but I, I think he's he's a uh, he's his own man for sure. So Zwingli, born in 1484 uh, in Switzerland, um, and Switzerland at this point has uh, uh, a politics of of what we call them cantons, Wade, where they have kind of like there's like these jurisdictions, um, and uh, so it's a it's a little perhaps even a little bit more independent. Um, than the way that Germany is ruled at that time. I'm a little bit more egalitarian, Kind of like the say? United States type thing, but um, in which case the states have most of the sovereignty and autonomy, um, not nearly as strong of a, a federal type government. They're outside of the realm of the uh, empire. Um, the cantons kind of sometimes have to get together and cooperate. <laughs> For defense and trade, but each one is definitely their own thing, yeah. And that that kind of localized government do something, I think it's going to play out a little bit with that, um, with Zwingli. He doesn't have to deal with the emperor as much as Luther does. Right. I mean, it's always a threat, but it's not nearly the threat. Right. And uh, we know throughout history that, that Switzerland maintains that kind of independence or and really likes that. Part of that's geography, but... But it's it's an historical thing as well, and so um, Zwingli eventually is going is going to be involved in politics in a in a much more active role than Luther. Luther certainly was involved in in the politics of his day, uh, but Zwingli in a much more active role. So um, early on, what do you have to say about Zwingli and his upbringing and his education? What stands out to you, Wade? Um, I mean, a lot of the reformers are going to be. Um, like Zwingli, they're, they're master, they have a master's degree, basically. Um, and they're a master's of the arts, maybe we would call it. Um, he goes to Vienna and then the University of, of Basel, right? Right. And so both Zwingli and Calvin are going to have very good humanist education. So they're trained in the humanities. 
um, Calvin with an emphasis on law. Um, but they'll be different from Luther in that Luther has his doctorate in theology, and he is first and foremost a biblical uh, theologian. That's not to undermine Zwingli as a biblical theologian. He's known for um, his ability, his capabilities in the Greek. He is very much drawn into the Greek New Testament, especially, and, and later he'll see Greek and Hebrew as being paramount. Um, but uh, Zwingli, of all of the the major reformers, probably A, is the most scholastic in his influence. He's educated under the Via uh, Antiqua, um, which would be uh, heavy on Thomas Aquinas. And he's also probably the most humanistic, the most influenced by Erasmus um, in his approach. And this will show itself uh, in his theology as it develops. A lot of people assume, well, Luther must have got this Reformation thing going and then Zwingli jumped on the bandwagon. And I think it's important for us to kind of dismiss that, to realize that uh, Zwingli, as you mentioned, Mike, is his own man. He's doing his own thing. These reformations happen in many ways um, contemporaneously. They're happening uh, at similar times. Zwingli is influenced by Luther in that he finds in Luther, in many ways, um, confirmation of what he himself is finding in the scriptures as he searches them. But these two reformations will be very different things. They're both definitely products of their um, social and political and ethnic settings. <coughs> and uh, and so I think it's important to realize Zurich and Wittenberg are kind of on their own tracks. Calvin will come, Cal, John Calvin will come later and, and want to kind of merge these two. Um, but these are definitely their own things. Um, so Zurich, uh, Zwingli's education is definitely a humanist education and the one that was heavy on uh, theological scholasticism, which is scholasticism is just the theology of the scola, of the schools. It was the traditional way theology was done in the universities, very much a, 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 a Thomist approach to things. And uh, I think Zwingli will show that in his kind of systematizing approach to um, especially practice, but maybe doctrine and practice as, as things go on. The background, it's important how different the background is because Zwingli is also very much a, uh, a Swiss patriot. He is um, early on a pastor who serves as a chaplain for mercenaries. He comes out as being very much against the Swiss tradition of mercenary service. He sees Switzerland as sending away um, its, its young men and and losing many of them for other nations or other countries. Nation is maybe anachronistic here. <coughs> for other countries' causes. And he is going to be much more um, involved in the state than Luther would be. Luther is involved, but um, because the Swiss um, confederation is a confederation and it's made of the, up of these different cantons, the leading cities become very important, <coughs> which means the leading city councils is maybe the best term to use for it to cover everything. There's different terms they would have used for different um, levels of governance. <clears throat> but these city councils become the predominant way of enacting reform. And so Zwingli is going to have to be regularly interacting with the city councils if he wants reform to succeed, whereas Luther is going to be dealing with a prince elector um, in a Germany that's largely dominated by princes of um, significantly larger territories in some instances than the, the Swiss cantons but sometimes uh, significantly smaller territories as well. 
Um, Zwingli is going to begin his ministry. He's going to become re well known um, for being a, a good student of Greek, but also for being a very good preacher. And so he's going to get kind of like a prime time call. He's going to be called to the Grossmünster in Zurich which is, to be the people's pastor. So he is there to minister to the city, and he is going to be the predominant preacher for the city. And he's called there, and it's much more difficult with Zwingli to separate where his theology leaves off and his Swissness picks up than it is with Luther, as hard as it is sometimes with Luther to see where his theology leaves off and his Germanness picks up. Um, but what I what I tell students in history of the Reformation is if you're gonna if I were gonna summarize the difference, Zwingli is gonna develop a theology that will primarily rotate out of um, sola scriptura, mm -hmm. even though he's gonna separate word and spirit, which undermines that somewhat. But that the scriptures alone are the norm. And so worship should be like how the scriptures, what, what we think the early apostles was doing. There's no organs in the New Testament, so there shouldn't be organs now. Um, Luther is going to be, I would say, see things primarily through the lens of uh, sola gratia, um, by grace alone. And now the other solas matter, but Luther's going to, his key emphasis is going to be on the doctrine of justification and how God um, interacts with us in that through election and, and other, other means. Um, this means Luther's theology is going to be a means of grace theology, how grace comes to us in word and sacrament. Um, Zwingli will see the word is important. He will say we should still carry out the sacraments, which is probably better understood in Zwingli's theology as ordinances, although that's an anachronistic term for how he would use it. Um, but because God said to do them, but Zwingli's much less concerned with the means of grace than Luther is. Um, because Luther sees God working through means, he's going to be much more open um, with means being used in service to the means of grace. So music in the church, <clears throat> art, which is right the, the word for the illiterate, um, painted out. And so there'll be two big um, different trajectories that they will take. As Luther emphasizes this sola gratia, he's going to emphasize that God became man the humanity of Christ, um, the body of Christ as the means through which we are saved because God has, has become flesh. Zwingli with Sola Scriptura and a more emphasis on the sovereignty of God is going to love to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, the wind blows where it will, so God um, can use the word to bring people to faith, but he can also bring people to faith apart from it, which is why Zwingli is okay with some good pagans in heaven, mm -hmm. for instance. Um, and it's, so it's not going to be as much a means of grace theology, um, and the physical is going to be diminished. So if you were to go to a Zwinglian church, you're not going to have all the, There's a reason Zurich didn't produce a Johann Sebastian Bach or a Lucas Kronick. Um, the, uh, the physical is kind of <coughs> diminished. But they have great <laughs> clocks on their Zurich churches. Uh, yes. They put all their effort into the clock tower. Yeah, they, they like the clocks and good coffee. <laughs> Um, and so uh, Zwingli's education will play into that in that he wants to be an ad fontes Greek and Hebrew guy, um, but he also is going to be um, – he, he's, he's much more aligned with Erasmus.
them with Luther in some ways of the reform he wants in the church, if that makes sense. I'll let you jump in, Mike, before I talk about So I'm about just that. giving some kind of uh, some dates there to see how quickly things happened in, in Switzerland, just to kind of uh, reiterate the point that Zwingli was not like, oh, I traveled to Germany and I found this great preacher and then I went back and brought the Lutheran Reformation up to the Alps. So he's already in his early 20s, a uh, chaplain, the mercenary contingent in, in Italy. So he's, he's cutting his teeth pretty young there. Um, 1518, he's going to get the, we wouldn't call it a call, but he's going he's gonna to get a call, like we would say today, to Zurich. He starts preaching January 1st, 1519. He is also, he's already sola scriptura, which, you know, you're talking about this time, Luther, yeah, sola scriptura, but he's really, he's Heidelberg disputation, he's 95 theses, and Zwingli is, is starting to say, does this match up with scripture, right? And so already um, you have in, let's see here, removal of religious images in 1524, disbanding of a leading Zurich Monastery, 1524 also, um, uh, gets rid of the Mass in April 1525. And so things happen a little bit different, and that's partly because of the, the political context there too. Um, but Zwingli is, you know, doesn't have maybe the same distractions as Luther is, but he also um, is, let's go for the purity thing here instead of saying, okay, this church is messy, we're going to try to reform this church. Um, instead of we're just going to throw everything out, start anew. So uh, just to, like you said, two parallel paths here, but going, going in different directions on some things, on some things. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to ask you about sacrament and sign, if you want to jump ahead to that. Sure. Uh, where he, um, he definitely, I mean, he's, he likes, would, would agree with Augustine's take, right? That... Uh, a sacrament is a visible word. Would he or would right. he, he not would, go he that He would agree far? that it's a, a. Well, he would agree with Augustine's definition of um, sacrament as sign. The difference mm-hmm. between him and Luther will be: is it an efficacious sign? In that, in that, <clears throat> does that sign have the power in itself um, <clears throat> to create faith or sustain faith or forgive sin? And that's where he would. Um, I don't know if I would. Say, Augustine is so hard because everyone claims Augustine. Right. So you can find what you want in Augustine. Um, but I think the issue would be, <clears throat> is it It would have been effic- a lot easier if he knew our battles, right. you know, a thousand years later and was clearer. Right. It's really his fault. Instead of like just fighting off the Pelagians and Donatus. I mean, I suppose <laughs> that kept him a little busy. Um, but I think the big issue is, is that sign efficacious? And I should go back to a thought I didn't conclude well before now that I realize it. <clears throat> Since Zwingli is going to emphasize the sovereignty of God, he will emphasize the divinity of Christ more than the humanity mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, Christ. Mm-hmm. And he will also, because of his view of the spiritual and the fleshly, hold the two persons of Christ. Um, you know, they say of the Nestorians that they held the two natures of Christ as if they were two boards glued together. The problem with that is you can pull them apart. Um, the opposite side of um, Christological heresy was that they're co-mingled or um mixed in such a way that the the two are no longer separate Mm -hmm. things. Um, Luther's going to emphasize the unity of the natures in the person, and Zwingli wants to keep the natures somewhat distinct, which is why Luther will accuse um, Zwingli of being, you know, if we talk about semi-Pelagianism, maybe Mm -hmm. Mm semi-Nestorian, and how he approaches this. 
But so whereas where in Luther you have this emphasis on the humanity of Christ as being paramount in our salvation, mm-hmm. without that's not to diminish the divinity. Mm-hmm. The emphasis um, in Zwingli will be um, in the divinity of Christ, but particularly in God as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, Zwingli thinks Luther sees God too much through Christ, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Which makes sense then when it comes to means, um, when it comes to the Lord's Supper forever, for instance, how can Christ's body be on all the altars in the world at once? Christ's body is his humanity. A body can be in one place. <clears throat> well, those familiar with Luther's Christology, Luther will say, but it's God's body. Mm-hmm. And this is where ubiquity will, will play into mm-hmm. this. And you can forget that term for now if you want. Um, we should do an episode on Christ's two natures. Sometime. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, we, we uh, Luther looks at Sweden and says, okay, you know, ah, this smells like Nestorianism. Still today, there are going to be non-Lutheran pr- Protestants who are going to say, uh, I kind of think the, Lu- the Lutherans are monophys or whatever, you know, yeah. they're going to, there's a number of names that they would that use. That accusation still floats. And so um, it is part of their, their, what you emphasize is important in theology almost as much as what you exactly say. Right. Right. And this gets at, though, I think the impact of Christology on various things um, and and the why the sacrament oftentimes shows where these differences mm-hmm. exist. Um, this is also why I would say the Reformed can never have as robust a doctrine of vocation as Lutherans mm-hmm. can. Um, or art, or physicality, or right. maybe even ministry. Yeah. Because how you see Christ, or how you see the Lord's Supper, filters into everything else, but is also drawn out of everything else. And I think that's where Zwingli becomes particularly interesting. And maybe I can just give a little background on his early reform, and then mm-hmm. we can jump mm-hmm. in more on these mm-hmm. distinctions. <clears throat> so Zwingli's reform is going to begin with one of my favorite titles for um, the beginning of a reform movement, The Affair of the Sausages, <laughs> which is going to happen in Lent um, when um, some workmen, I believe it's printers, are working, and they eat um, sausages in Lent, probably like dried sausages like beef jerky. They're hungry. Um, they, they break the fast, and they're going to be accused, obviously, then of, um, of having sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, Zwingli will defend them, although he himself did not partake of the sausages, uh, and notice that this becomes a reform then that's centered in Christian practice. Mm-hmm. Whereas Luther's reform is going to be at its onset centered in Christian doctrine, and then practice has to catch up later. Yeah. And this will be very important for understanding Zwingli and Zurich because it becomes, um, while there's doctrinal differences, Zwingli does teach salvation by grace, at least in some form. Um, he's going to be much more concerned with practice and with practice that in no way is connected with what he might call popery or papistic influence. Um, Do I find an example of this in the Bible? If not, then... Right. Yeah. There's much more of an anti... Now, there's anti-Catholicism in Luther, too, in that he's calling the Pope the Antichrist and monks, you know, problematic things. Well, not problematic, but <clears throat> unflattering. Mm-hmm. Um, Zwingli doesn't want any semblance of the trappings of Rome left. And so this affair of the sausages will set things off, and early phases of this then will be um, practical issues, um, how the service is celebrated. Those things come for Luther after the the doctrinal fights have have taken place. And this becomes a a big difference in in emphasis as well. Um, And I think 
Zwingli's Christology combined with his anti-Catholicism. And I don't mean anti-Catholicism here as in like we would use it for hate speech today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just doesn't want any trappings of Rome that will lead to this um, just clear, distinct. Luther sees things through law and gospel. Zwingli sees to see them um, through spirit and flesh. Mm-hmm. And um, flesh gets uh, associated with the physical, which is not for Luther and not what we would say that the New Testament is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that becomes the primary dynamic for, for how um, Zwingli will see things, which is why it's objectionable that God should be bound to means, mm-hmm. whereas Luther will insist that God has bound himself and I wonder if there's even just an attitude, a Christological attitude is he comes down in the gritty, in the muddy, in the physical, whatever. And and for I wonder for Luther with that theology of the cross, this is he's okay in the mud, you know, where I think some people want to Because if, he if, realizes you can't get out of it in a fallen world, whereas Zurich and Zwingli and Calvin can't get past this notion that they're going to set up this Christian republic. Yep, and it's more of a, as we've said before, it's a first article Christianity uh, um, emphasis instead of a second article Christianity emphasis. And so, I, to your original point about a great point about you know the the Christology and the, and the Lord's Supper because it's it is Christ, right? right? And I, I'm so sick of hearing this attitude that you know uh, our particular brand of Lutheranism is just really. We agree with everything but the Baptist, but we just have this little difference called baptism and Holy Communion. No, it's a Christological difference as much as it is a difference with Roman Catholicism. With that said, of course, the whole Christian church, beautiful. We got a lot to learn from other denominations. We're not saying that, but this idea that that somehow we're closer to the Baptist than the, the Roman Catholics um, just doesn't understand the Christological implications. And it, it sees... When I talked about Sola Scriptura, it sees the word in a different way, too. So when I say Zwingli emphasized Sola Scriptura, um, I'm not saying Luther didn't. But what they see the word as being is not fundamentally the same. For Zwingli, the word becomes, um, in many ways, a rule book or a guidebook, which is really um, not much different than how the Roman Catholics were mm-hmm. were reading it. Um, you're getting a new Moses of a different type, mm-hmm. Um in fact, Zwingli even will say he sees the humanity of Christ largely being Christ as example, <laughs> as, as exemplar. Um, for Luther, an encounter with the Word is an encounter with Christ. God is there. It's a living vo- voice of the gospel. That Word is doing something, and in no other, God hides himself elsewhere to be found there, whereas Zwingli's okay with the godly pagans, whether that be um, Plato, or I think he mentions Hercules mm-hmm. and others, um, getting there in other ways. Um, and so it's not a sola scriptura in the sense of the word alone is what brings us absolution and, and freedom and grace. Um, it's a sola scriptura that basically becomes a textbook for how you should run the state and the church and what you can and can't have in the worship service. So my <coughs> dissertation that's um, published in the book as a devil behind the surplus looks at um, basically someone who had been heavily influenced by Zwingli, John Hooper, and someone who was very heavily influenced by um, Luther, Matthias Flatius Illyricus, and their different arguments on the same vestment, whereas Flacius will say, you shouldn't wear this um, uh, surplus because the state's commanding it, but Flacius could care less if you wear it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Hooper will say you shouldn't wear the surplus because the apostles didn't wear a surplus. Mm-hmm. 
Those are two very different ways of getting at things. Flacius is advocating for Christian freedom. Hooper's restricting it. Mm-hmm. He might not realize he's restricting mm-hmm. it, but he's saying, well, you can't do this. Um, and so what they see the scriptures as being and doing is very different. Um, the same as what they see the sacraments as, as being and doing. Luther sees the sacraments as an encounter with Christ, right? Zwingli sees them as, well, God said to do this, so we should do it. Once again, it becomes a rule, mm-hmm. an ordinance. Um, and, and in the end, not all that different from Rome. Zwingli will want a church that's under the state. He wants a state-run church. In fact, um, Zwingli and Calvin both really wrestle with, should the state excommunicate or the church? Zwingli wants the state, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, Luther does not want a state-run church, but he's forced by the times into appealing to the German nobility of mm-hmm. um, the German nobility for reform. Luther, unfortunately, ends up with a state church, his heirs do, um, but Luther does not see the state um, as having a role uh, in church matters, ideally. Um, he talks about no bishops, emergency bishops for mm-hmm. princes and that, but this gets much more complicated. Um but there, too, notice that's not very different from what Roman Catholicism wanted, except Zwingli flips it. Rather than the, the, uh, the state being subsumed under the church, which is what the, the popes wanted, especially with the crowning of Charlemagne, mm-hmm. um, it's a church that's subsumed under state, mm-hmm. which is also where the Swiss patriotism plays in. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also where it's important that Calvin and Zwingli both find themselves in what we would call kind of republic cities or city republic, what we could call, I should say, um, very different forms of governance um, and uh, political landscapes than what Luther does. And what they do is they afford more of an opportunity for that type of thinking. If we're going to be a Christian city or a Christian republic, um, which shows why, especially earlier in American history, reform theology was very attractive to Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should at least uh, appreciate Zwingli for putting his money and his life uh, where his mouth was, 1531, right? Dies in... Battle of Capel. And Capel, the Second Capel War. Um, so he, he really did... Which I, Luther, by the way, says served him right mm-hmm. because he sees church and state aligned. And Bullinger, who takes over for um, Zwingli, will never forgive Luther for some of his harsh comments at yeah. Zwingli's death. And, and Luther was not nice to Zwingli. No. No. I, I think mean, that's you safe can, to say. You can. I mean, if you make another grant grown man cry you know that's yeah you, you probably it's part awesome part mean yeah so wade have you ever made another grown man of your same age and stature cry yes <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell me that story after we're off air <laughs> it would be stories mike <laughs> my stories <laughs> um so at least got one thing going for you for uh for that's very Luther-like. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Zurich, uh, or Swingley, I should say, um, we talked about a little bit about sacrament and sign. Maybe we, uh, spirit and word, I mean, we, we danced around that, but like, if you <coughs> give me like two lines on spirit and sure. word. For Luther, the spirit is bound to the word and the, and the spirit has bound itself to the word for us. So if we want, if we want the spirit, if we want to come to faith, God has promised that that takes place nowhere beside the word. Could God do it elsewhere? Of course he's God, but he's not promised to do so elsewhere. Um, Zwingli does not bind the spirit to the word, nor think the spirit has bound itself to the word. Um, he sees the spirit as being able to operate separate from the word. 
Um, this also would go to the reading of scripture. Um, Luther, of course, would emphasize that um, with the early church that the Bible is a bit of a closed book to the unbeliever, right? Faith does open your eyes to Christ. Um, but Zwingli will emphasize much more the Spirit's inspiration of the reader and the interpreter. So they're coming with the Spirit mm -hmm. to the text mm -hmm. um, than the Spirit working through, through the, the text. text yeah. And that, so Luther says, I'm captive to the Word of God, or the Word stands. For Luther, the Scriptures interpret you. Mm -hmm. For Zwingli, God gives you the spirit for you to interpret the scriptures. And That's the, a simplification, but yeah. I think it. And there's a little bit of hiddenness there, too. Uh, God hides where he wants to be found, right? For Luther, yes. Yeah. It, this is not a, you know, you can just kind of even say, I mean, this is more Calvinist, but the sovereignty of God, don't tell, you know, don't, the spirit is not going to be limited. Right. You know, the God... That we have to emphasize the divinity of Christ and, and this kind of stuff. And, and you see that in the American church today where absolutely. people talk about, I could feel the spirit. And you picture like going to this worship service and the spirit's everywhere, but in the word and sacrament, it's just like floating around right. in the light show, right. you know, striking you like Cupid with arrows. Yeah, and and I, there, were, there was a moment probably in, I don't know what time in my life when that kind of clicked for me where... God, if you want to say limits himself, or it's better to say he's promised to be here. He limits us to. Yeah. Um, and, and then I like, you know, the, the hiddenness way of putting it. God hides where he, he seeks to be found. Um, he hides to be found where he to wants be to be found. found yeah. Um, <clears throat> that, that's out of love. Like, it's just not floating around out there. He says, here's where I'm going to be. And this may be a dumb example, but if you say to... You know, if you say to uh, a friend or whatever, I'm going to be here at this particular time. That is an act of, uh, could be an act of generosity or kindness or whatever. This is where you find me. Right. Um, and so instead of... I wouldn't of, say, instead Mike, of, meet me in Milwaukee at three. Right. That's not very loving. Let me tell you... I would say meet me at, at WLC in Milwaukee. I'm going to tell you a story about that in a little bit, but... Um, that, that that very thing of a, a friend of ours, um, but <clears throat> instead of trying to protect God in His sovereignty, I see God through the lens of Christ that He stooped low for me, right. and that infiltrates everything. In the We're, God Man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, that is so huge. That is so huge. That's why it's so different, and that's why it's not just about baptism and Holy Communion, right? And and that's where. Zwingli wanting to protect the, the sovereignty of God always ends up um, usually in the Trinity and especially in God the Father um, or almost always ends up, um, which is why Islam is the preeminent religion of the, the sovereignty of God, right? Um, Luther is rightly accused of, but I think he's doing it in a biblical way when, he's, when Zwingli says, you're making God known only through Christ basically, mm -hmm. To be fair, I believe that's what Christ says to his apostles in the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, and and we're not limiting God. We're just saying, this is what God has promised, so I'm going to go with that promise. This is what he has said to me. Um, and then you, you it, it's a difference between stepping outside of God's word, above God's word, and the difference of just saying, okay, this is what he said for me. So think of double predestination, right? Okay, this is what God said, and I'm going to figure it out in a rational way, or whatever. Instead of just saying, this was a promise that God made to me, and I'm going to let it be. 
kind of thing. So well, and this becomes a big difference too because Calvin will end up at double predestination. Zwingli doesn't get there. Bullinger's unwilling to completely go there, although he and Calvin will work on some ambiguous statements in the Reformed mm-hmm. Confessions. But Zwingli will have a doctrine of election, but also a doctrine of a spirit not bound to the word, which is why God can elect Hercules mm-hmm. or or Plato. You mm-hmm. pick you pick your pagan. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Luther will only talk about election through the word. Yeah, we should. That should be a in game. connection to preaching. That should be a game we play. Pick your pagan. It'd be a good free for all. Yeah, like, like give a topic like, uh, like who would be a great quarterback? Pick your pagan. Like you know, putting somebody yeah. into there. You know. You know what I read the other day? I don't know if it's true. Was Jay Cutler really a Satanist? Uh, I don't know. May explain a lot. Yeah. We should maybe we, we're Tom not. Tom Brady would be my pagan quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're not saying. We're not making any. Just let the bird fly. Is not making any. Um, um, statements out there about well, any, I'm, I'm any, judging Tom Brady's fate. Any NFL quarterback <laughs> officially? <laughs> You're not. I am. Okay. So um, back to the you would not say Mike meet me in Milwaukee, right? So I w- we were traveling in Europe with a with a dear friend of the show, Adam Zimpleman. We should have him on once. He's busy up in Fond du Lac trying to get an associate pastor. Yeah. Poor guy's getting worked to death. And um, we had split off. And we said, he said, I'll meet you in Madrid. <laughs> and this is before cell phones, of course. We did get an email um, that it would be a particular train station in Madrid. So it, it did get narrowed down. Narrowed but down it, was, it was not like, it was just a day and a city. <laughs> like we had left each other in, I don't know, France. And then, you know, and hey, in 10 days, I'll be in. I'll be in. I'll be in Madrid, and Madrid is a very large, spread yeah. out city. And that'd so. be Zwingli. Yeah, Luther but, would say, "I'll meet you at this intersection." Yeah, and the, and that would be Zimpleman, as we both gone to college with him. Like, it'll just work out for him. Yeah, yeah. and maybe if I can just defend Luther a little bit here at the end. <clears throat> Oftentimes, Zwingli comes up, and it's as a way of kind of shaming Luther into. See, Luther made the Lord throw up into this big fight, and that precluded. Unity among the Protestants, um, and that ushered in this age of denominationalism mm-hmm. and um, religious division, and even you know some of the defeats that would lead to the Thirty Years' War. Um, hopefully, something you've got out of this is uh, there's no such thing as a de- a, just a debate just about the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. The Lord's Supper is a lens for someone's entire theology. Tell me your view of the Lord's Supper, and I can I can guess at where you stand on a lot of other mm-hmm. doctrines. And so, uh, I think to defend Luther, it's a gross oversimplification of theology to think that Christology or the Lord's Supper are things that can be um, divorced from other doctrines. Um, I think Luther, while treating Zwingli unfairly in a number of ways, was very astute mm-hmm. in recognizing. Um, that this had much greater implications than than simply what do you receive with the bread and wine? Yeah, and and we'll get there in you know in fifteen we're referring to uh, a colloquy at Marburg uh, in October of fifteen twenty nine where Zwingli and Luther are going to meet face to face and I've always gotten the impression and and we'll save all our bullets for that but but Luther was not going to suffer any fools he knew what was going on here it had to do with the word of God 
it had to do with Holy Communion, it had to do with Christology, it had to do a lot of things. And it, it seems that he doesn't want it. He, he's, he's, being, he's being stubborn and doesn't want to play. But he knows. He knows where this leads. And I think he, well, we know he's impatient. He doesn't want to go there. He is impatient with this. Um, he's impatient with Zwingli. Right. And, and, and we've seen where it leads in American Christianity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and maybe, you know, you also reference kind of eventually the Thirty Years' War, but there had been, of course, uh, a desire for Protestants to get together in a defensive alliance uh, against uh, the Roman Catholic uh, emperor and Zwingli's going to be a part of that with Philip of Hesse. There, right. going to ha- there's going to be overtures there. The and bigamist. So, yeah. So there, there is, there is a lot of, there's a lot more to go in our winging it series, and we hope that you'll come back. I don't know what we're going to do next, but we're in the mid 1520s, so we got to go. You know what I think we're going to do next, Mike? Hmm. I think we're going to let the bird fly. Another round, another round, one more round won't get me down. 